0: Hello and welcome to the Deep State Consciousness Podcast. Simon Small is back with me today in what's kind of a second part of our previous discussion around his book Star Pilgrim, where Simon wrote about spirituality in a science fiction text. And in that last discussion, we were talking all about how science fiction had spoken to his philosophical yearning as a, a young man. and helped him to engage in the kind of deep questions that were on his mind and how that had accumulated in in writing a book. One substantial theme we didn't touch upon, which has also been an influence and a great interest of Simon's, is the UFO sighting, encounter, abduction experience that has been prominent since maybe the 1940s, or maybe it's always been a prominent feature of human life and experience depending on how you look at it so that's what we're going to talk about today simon good morning
1: good morning great to see you again
0: good to see you too and good to talk about this because i've been interested in a lot of topics in my life that could be considered fringe okay but i think i've always slightly avoided this one because i'm just aware that it's a really deep rabbit hole something's always told me that and and having looked at it a bit now over the past few months casually it's a subject i find so difficult to get my head around to understand in any way it seems so very complicated and hard to know what's going on even to the point where all the big experts and long-time researchers in this disagree on so many different points so why don't i give you the floor and you can start by saying what what Took your interest into this area and what have you made of
1: it okay uh, as far as what brought my interest into this area is concerned I think the simple answer the honest answer is I don't know but it was a, a hunger and a drive and an urge within me to explore this area that arose from some personal experiences I've had but also just a kind of a little voice inside that said, this is really, really important. It's confusing. It's difficult to understand. At times it drives you bonkers, but it really, really matters. And I've tried to just follow that sense of guidance, I suppose, and try to go ever more deeply into this. The place where I would start with this is actually to do something which I think is the opposite of what most of us do most of the time and that is when we come across something that fascinates us uh, something that you know we really feel we want to understand what we tend to do is move ever closer to it almost if you like figuratively put our nose up against it to try and understand it and in the age in which we live in in modern Western culture Uh, For example the whole UFO thing and the whole Encounter experience. I think this is what we do. We've got too close to it So we can't see it in context. So it becomes very difficult to understand and so also it becomes confusing. I Would suggest that the way to approach this is actually to step back and to try and see what patterns we can identify if you like, over the whole of human experience, going back thousands of years. And I think then what many people seem to experience now in some form, starts to be, it becomes part of a jigsaw, just one piece in a jigsaw. As we step back, we can see the jigsaw better, and so it starts to make more sense. And I've been kind of exploring this now for 30 years, Uh, I know for your viewers, I may not look that old, but I am that old. And what is quite clear to me is that throughout, throughout recorded human history, and I'm sure before that, across every culture, people have been having experiences with a phenomena which seems to be from outside of our everyday reality. It's intermittent. It's difficult to pin down but it's always been there and as different cultures and different minds have encountered this they've perceived it differently they've labeled it differently they've had different understandings about it but I think it's always the same phenomena uh, so in uh, a culture from thousands of years ago they might have thought they were encountering uh, gods or elves, or goblins, or jinns, or whatever it may be. In our modern Western culture, we seem to be encountering uh, little scientists and machines from other planets, and that's what we seem to see. But it is the same phenomenon that's going on. Reality is not limited to our three dimensions plus time. Reality is far more complex than that. And in these other areas of reality, there are other living beings and other intelligences and other consciousnesses within within which we have with which we have always interacted. And I think if you then take the modern UFO abduction experience and fit it into that, it starts perhaps to make a lot more sense. So that's where I'd start. I don't know whether that provokes any questions with you.
0: Yeah. Too many, really. Um, just so the viewers know, Simon is actually 35 years old. He got into this as a very yes. young child. No.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: A, but just also just to say something like quite basic about it, really, well, I mean, see if you agree with the narrative I've picked up. What what we're talking about in its modern context is a phenomena that seems to either start or pick up a lot of pace around the 1940s, where people start seeing these lights in the sky, um, sometimes objects, they're detectable on radar. Sometimes what people are seeing is is picked up by local radar stations. Um, they make movements which are impossible for aircrafts. And that tallies with what we call the abduction or the encounter experience, where people are finding themselves, they're recovering memories, or they have missing time recovering memories of being on board these crafts, sometimes being experimented on, sometimes having information imparted to them seeming to come back with things they couldn't possibly know through conventional means sometimes and it's not limited to a few fantasyful individuals it seems to be quite a substantial phenomenon maybe in some ways to one up to one percent of the population have something of this um, and it for some people it's traumatizing and other people go into a period of spiritual or some other kind of growth afterwards and describe it as a very positive experience. Is that is that an overall, like, the modern phenomenon of view that you would concur with?
1: Yes, it is. This is what, how this phenomena, this ancient phenomena, that's how it's been perceived in Western culture, probably since about 1945 in round terms. Yes.
0: So the, what this seems to have provoked to me then is a whole variety of interpretations. So, like, one way you could look at that is psychological and say, okay, so this whole phenomenon kicked off about the time that we had concepts like space travel and little green men and so on. You know, it's 50 years after the kind of books by H.G. Wells. So maybe the human psyche is having some sort of inner experience and mapping that onto it. On the other hand, you could equally say, "Well, hang on, 1940s. Now that's just after the nukes went off for the first time, and it's just when we were sending rockets into space. So maybe the aliens from wherever got concerned about this. Hey, we better check it in on the humans. They're they're getting a bit serious with their technology. And you have people who have those two different and seemingly kind of valid interpretations offered to me. I know in my mind, what I initially, when I look at this, I want to try and Lock onto one and dismiss the other but the phenomenon doesn't give you that in some way. It doesn't it doesn't yield to an easy answer What do you make of the different? interpretations do you, do you feel that you can have a kind of either or it's either people from the Pleiades or it's like fairies that have been around on the earth for thousands of years what
1: it's multifaceted that there, the, there is a phenomena, but which has many different elements And which comprises I'm sure many different kinds of intelligences and consciousnesses some of which seem to be largely indifferent to what we are some of which seem to uh, uh, come from a place of goodwill and some of which seem to come from a place of um, wishing to exploit us and uh, give us quite a rough time and yes nowadays people think they're seeing spaceships If you go back to the 19th century, people thought they were seeing airships Mm. because that was what was in the news at the time. If you go back to the experiences in the Middle Ages, people thought they saw sailing ships in the sky. What this is telling us is that our minds are encountering something for which our minds have no ready frame of reference. And so it takes what it's got and projects it onto the phenomena and then sees the phenomena through those filters. And in a 100 years' time, people will be experiencing this phenomena through different filters.
0: You don't feel we've got the right one now? Because I could understand, say, like in the Middle Ages, if people saw a a spaceship, the only way they could interpret that is like there's a sailing ship in the sky. Because they don't have the concept of even that stars are like our sun and there may be planets orbiting them. But I know there's a... Certainly a school of thought in this and says, okay, now we have the correct concept that they're from other planets or they're interdimensional in some way, but you feel this might be the latest, well, it is the latest mapping.
1: One, one aspect of this might be that uh, there is an, an interplanetary aspect, but to use kind of modern scientific jargon, I think fundamentally this is interdimensional that we live in just a slice, a little slither of reality, and think that's it. Whereas we're actually living in a far more complex reality, but we are unaware of most of it. And at all those different levels of reality, there are different intelligences, different beings, different consciousnesses at work. And I think that, if you like, is the overall explanation. And if you say this to people, they often say, well, you know, you're saying something extraordinary. You're saying something that's, you know, incredibly difficult to believe, but we exist.
0: Mm.
1: That is extraordinary. That is impossible to believe. How come we are? Why is it so difficult to, uh, you know, give credence, the idea that there may be other realities and other consciousness and intelligences within those realities, especially when the experience of countless people over the centuries supports that. There is actually overwhelming amount of evidence there. I'd like to say one other thing as well, which I think is very important at the moment. And that is with the UFO phenomena, in other words, the observation of mysterious lights and seeming vehicles in the air. um, That is now, I'm gonna say this may shock some people, that is now an established fact. The evidence is absolutely overwhelming. It is incontrovertible that there is an unknown phenomena that seems to be operating in our skies. Uh, Some of the people listening to this may be aware that just before Christmas, there was an article in the New York Times um, revealing the existence of a secret Pentagon program that has been investigating this for years. And as part of that, they released video of incidents with the USS Nimitz Observed over the course of a week, multiple incidents observed by fighter pilots, observed by radar, observed by all the latest equipment that was that that is available. Um, That is established. There's no question about it at all. The question has now moved on to what is this, and the question has also kind of expanded to and how does this relate to these people who seem to experience these things directly these experiences whether you want to call them abductions or encounters or whatever, because that is part of it. But in any kind of logical rational um, sense, this is now an established fact, even though you wouldn't believe that to look at our media.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, this evidence is now coming out almost week by week. And so what we're talking about here isn't something uh, completely uh, fringe anymore. It is now here at the centre of our culture now, although most people are ignoring it. Uh, and so, this conversation is even more important. Than it would have been before those disclosures.
0: Sure, and it's, I recently watched the uh, Steve, is it Stephen Greer? the um,
1: yes, he's watching
0: you know, I don't. It, it's incredible. On the one hand, to watch all these military officers talking about their experiences yes. and scientists talking about their experiences of. They talk about it in a matter-of-fact way, almost. For them, there's no debate. On the other hand, I'm never sure how much to trust from military officers. Potentially, they have their own agenda going on there, and that's another whole area of this, as if it's going on. What have governments and militaries known about it over the past 50 years? So part of the reason I thought it would be very interesting to talk to you specifically about this is because of your interest in exploring the depths of consciousness through the more mystical aspects of the world's religious and spiritual traditions. How do you see that angle playing into it? Okay. Cause I know that going back to the old stories of the fairy faith, some of them seem very random in a sense, like the, the fairies seem capricious sometimes, they lead people into dances, they take people um, into the underworld and back up again. I don't know how that really ties in with a sense of spirituality. And in today's abduction experiences, some of them seem quite medical, like the, um, the beings that are taking people are quite disinterested in them personally. They're there for medical experimentations or whatever they're doing. And other people report a really heightened sense of spirituality afterwards Like and believe that at least some of these beings are here because they're interested in cultivating our awakening, maybe because our technological level has gotten to a point where they feel that's a necessity now. I don't know. That's the narrative they're coming back with. So as a consciousness explorer yourself, Simon, how do you think of the experience in that way?
1: Uh, I can't give a soundbite answer to that, but I'll try and keep it as short as possible.
0: It's okay. I'm also aware that you mentioned you'd had some experiences of this. I later. have.
1: We, we can come on to that have, later. Yeah. But fundamentally, what I am, uh, and I'll have to use kind of Christian terminology for this. I, I know many people viewing this won't come from that background, but I'm somebody who seeks oneness with God. That's what I am my my the focus of my life and of my consciousness and my energy my attention is on opening to the presence of the ultimate and i use the word god for that but as i do that uh, and my faith is that this is how i'm guided in my life by that ultimate presence that i found myself being directed into this um it's not central to what i do at all but it seems to be part of my experience of this life and part uh, and something i'm meant to explore and think about and talk to other people about and that's why i go into it now the nature when one encounters this phenomena it can be everything from the most uplifting illumined inspirational experience you've ever had in your life all the way ratcheted down to something that is awful and something that can be deeply frightening uh, what is going on there I think I've already mentioned that just as in everyday life you can meet people who can be inspiring uh, and uplifting and full of goodness all the way down to people who can seem to seem to want to drink your energy almost who, who deliberately want to cause you trouble and deliberately want to cause you fear so it is on these call them the inner planes Um, as a general rule i would say that what you encounter will reflect the state of your own consciousness i'm somebody who lives a life of prayer which is a very traditional way of describing so generally i find i connect with when I do connect with presences, they are of a very high level indeed, because it reflects where I am. Prayer comes first in the middle and afterwards. What I've also found is when my mind is dark, when I am not having the thoughts of the highest, which we all have, then sometimes I can connect something very different. It seems to reflect where I am at myself. Um, and indeed, my own willingness to know myself with complete honesty and that is a big part of this as well but that is not the whole story because i think it's also part of this that sometimes the most extraordinary awakened and people can also have bad experiences and this is where it's a mystery this is where we really don't know what's going on Uh, and it's also the case that people can have very bad experiences as you've mentioned It can actually almost seem to be part of their spiritual path And that through those experiences they grow tremendously and become uh, People they otherwise wouldn't have become even though the experiences were bad We don't understand what's going on But for me the fundamental thing is on my relationship with the ultimate uh, my relationship with God to use Christian language and that is the anchor for everything and I, I can only speak from my own experience other people will have to believe this or not believe it But While I am anchored in that It doesn't matter what I experience in the world or on these inner planes. I am safe Even if I'm having a horrible experience in the world in the everyday world something in here knows it cannot be touched While my focus is on the ultimate goodness. Let's put it like that Um, and so that's a a very short answer to to a quite a complex question
0: That's a very good answer. Um, but I think it does lead us on to asking about your experience Or experiences in this area then
1: Okay Um, How should I Ever since I was a child I've had a deep sense that I was surrounded by a greater reality than our everyday reality. Let's call it our three-dimensional reality. And certainly, as a child, uh, I may have mentioned this in my in the previous interview. In particular, I remember as a child having some extraordinary dreams uh, of um, I remember flying dreams. I remember coming back in through the door of my house when I was about, I don't think I was even at school, I'd have been at four or five, and floating up the stairs and going over the child gate at the top and going into my bedroom, floating all the time. Such a vivid dream that even as I'm speaking to it now, you now, I can see it in my mind. I can remember again as a child looking out of the window of my house and seeing a UFO on the road outside. So vivid, so stark that I can see it now again as I'm talking to you about this. Um, I have seen things in the sky, which I have known to be anom- anomalous. Um, as an adult, I've had extraordinary dreams. And there was a while in my life uh, when I got very embedded in the world and doing boring things like earning a living. And this side of my life kind of went away. But later on in my 30s it started to come back and i remember one dream especially where i walked down into my kitchen and a ufo emerged from behind the fridge which is quite an amusing thought in a way but it was it was it was so paradoxical you know a ufo coming from behind the fridge and even and it still stays with me and a I think it was telling me something about a reigniting this interest that dream reignited this whole area of exploration for me but also it told me something about the nature of what we call UFOs in that it, it they're, they're emerging from a deeper reality they're not necessarily meeting the laws of physics as mr. Spock knows them and there was something in that dream as well uh, I also have it Very powerful in experiences of communication with other intelligences uh, which are as real to me as this conversation we're having and which are life-changing and have been life-changing and quite a lot of that uh, lies behind Star Pilgrim and some of the story so if you like those are some of the stories some some of the experiences that kind of also supported this whole exploration but what i would say is that i have a deep sense that i've been into this for 30 years has always been a sense of it being fringe something that polite people don't talk about uh, but it is now coming the whole phenomenon now is now becoming more central uh, it's it's starting to come more out into the open and what's going on in America, which was sparked off by this New York Times article, I think in the long run is going to be of extraordinary importance.
0: Okay, um, I might come back to the disclosure part yeah. in a moment. With regard to the experience, it's just a minor question. I just want to. I'm curious, and I think people also may be curious about what that visually was like to see a UFO. On the road or behind the fridge was it like a little flying saucer emerging from behind the fridge Uh, so that's just a a minor curiosity my more substantial curiosity is in in the part about the communication with these beings and that being life-changing so it sounds like what you're talking about is channeling there or a meditative experience of
1: yeah whatever term you want Again, this is an experience that is cross-cultural and goes back thousands of years in recorded history It started for me because I started to explore questions of meaning uh, What on earth was going on Because I couldn't think of any reason to get out of bed in the morning And then I got into meditation And then one evening I, I, This is going to sound so mundane. It's ridiculous I was actually sitting on the bed with my wife talking Eating a packet of crisps. That's how exciting my life is and I suddenly found myself Saying things to my wife And I knew it wasn't just me saying it And it was like I was watching myself Uh, We were discussing deep questions and I found myself answering and saying things and extraordinarily i was watching myself do it i was still there and at any moment i could stop it there was no loss of control and that evening that went on for about an hour and a half my wife actually wrote it all down i've still got the record of it and ever since this time um that presence has been there and that uh, it comes and goes like waves. It's like waves of energy, and there are times when it's there strongly, times when it's just in the background. And often it's just great to know it's there. But from time to time, it has come through in the form of words and of writing. And I've, uh, when I've done public talks, although the people there wouldn't be aware of it, there are times when I'm aware it's been coming from that place. And interestingly, that's the time when it really seems to connect with people as well. It's like there's more than just the words there. And over the last 30 years, I've come to understand that uh, that presence isn't separate to me. It's more of a community. Oh, if you like a brotherhood, that would be another word, fraternity of which I am a part. And so when they speak through me, it's also me speaking as well but me as part of this greater kind of collective um And uh, this is just central to my life completely Uh, and that's for me what the experience is like Uh So, I don't know whether that's helpful. But that's the best way I can kind of put well, it into it.
0: No, it's, it's entirely helpful I think it's a mystery for all of us that we might have that experience of Our most profound thoughts and insights just emerge from somewhere. Yes. Okay. Although we encountered, we have dialogues in dreams. Like I heard a piece of music in a dream just yesterday. I was taking a nap. I've never heard. And then I'm waking up and contemplating: Did my mind just compose that? Because I can't compose music.
1: No. Well, Um, Paul Paul McCartney had that experience with the uh, tune for yesterday. Yeah, He thought he must have heard it somewhere. He had it in a dream and interestingly uh, with the song let it be Which Paul McCartney wrote that came from a dream as well, right? I think that most of us For a lot of the time at some level are linked in to these other levels of reality But we don't realize it and for good or real they are Influencing us But as we become more conscious of it. We can become more discriminating about that, that which we listen to and follow and that which we do not
0: okay we'll pick up on the discrimination in just a second but yeah so a lot of people have this sense of going into their depths and that's where the real creativity emerges from yes. and even people who would be very opposed to ideas of UFO contact or spirit contact you know I'm talking about maybe evangelical Christians okay yes. but the Holy Spirit speaks to them
1: yes absolutely yes
0: and imparts all sorts of insight and wisdom Lord,
1: if, if we put a certain label on it we think it's fine but it's the same phenomena we put another name on that same phenomena and we think it's bad you have to get below the labels to really try and sense the quality of what is one is experiencing okay one
0: is. so then on to discernment if discernment is not in the labels if it's not mattering so much what we call the thing yeah and it's more mattering what we're in resonance with okay i think a lot of people i've encountered who have serious concerns about this aren't so much concerned that they're going to encounter something that looks demonic they're going to encounter they're concerned they're going to encounter something which looks angelic and turns out to be demonic okay they're they're concerned about deception and there is in all these traditions with the fairy faith with the ufo phenomenon and with channeling and mediumship there are cases where people feel they've been deceived like they were encountering some wise spirit who they later think maybe was some sort of lower astral entity or encountering a a ufo that was there to guide their evolution and then they think maybe it was just there to torment them so what how would you speak to that because i know that there will be people listening who will have that concern is simon being deceived here though by these these beings and they're
1: setting them up I've already discussed for me what is central to this, and that is that my, my life is focused on, on seeking to open to God as much as I can. Uh, I never sought to go into this area at all. It's something that has happened to me as I've pursued that central path. And if tomorrow all of this sense of connection with these other levels of being were to drop away, that's fine by me. I have no problem with that at all. My focus is on what I would call a life of prayer. I know this is traditional language, and that is the greatest anchor in all of this and the greatest guide. But the other thing that is extraordinarily important is to develop self-knowledge with devastating honesty, because it when one does encounter. Um, uh, presences that are not coming from the highest what they will do is to exploit our desires mm. to give us a bad time and in particular they will exploit the desires which of which we are not acknowledging of which we are not aware because we don't want to be aware and as we become more open to ourselves so we give less and less and less room for these darker elements to work in to the point where we know ourselves completely. There's nowhere left for them. Yeah. But that a lifetime's experience. Uh, It's really what the whole idea of confession is pointing towards. Although that has been a mightily abused area. It's just about incredible self-honesty without guilt, but just trying to, be completely open as to what we are and then there's no room left for any darkness so self-knowledge is the other great guard uh, that, that can stand there uh, if we are drawn into this area
0: yeah and see if you agree with this um, but when you said earlier about there being a resonance I don't know if you yeah. use the term resonance between uh, the victim and the victimizer yes if you like I I I don't take that to mean that the victimizer is like the same as the victim in some way but in an abusive relationship there's a connection there so let's say the victim is maybe on a deeper level of their consciousness believes they deserve to be treated that way would be one example yes and that opens up a connection of someone who if, wants to treat someone if
1: that you way. don't want something from another person You will not be in relationship with them and they will have no power over you The problem is that most of us are not fully aware and acknowledging what we really want It's deeply buried because of guilt and because of shame or or whatever it may be And also often we want things that don't fit together that conflict And one day we want this and the other day we want that And we wonder why our life is so confused. So the thing that self-knowledge does, it reveals all these contradictions as well. Uh and so self-knowledge is right at the heart of all this. And it's a very difficult path to keep seeing the truth about oneself. But it is the path that that, if you like, inoculates us against the darkness, however we may encounter it. I mean, I could talk a little more about, if you like, the darkness if you want, or these unwholesome presences one might encounter
0: i I think it might be um helpful simon because i do know it's a concern um for people the people i'm hoping will watch this conversation um before you do i'll throw in a question and you can say whatever you're going to say okay so one theme that's emerged with people encountering this is an evangelical christian theme of warding these abduction experiences off by calling upon jesus by calling yes so Um, Now, you can take a certain interpretation uh, that is taken within the evangelical circles of because Jesus is the one real son of God, then you're warding off these demonic entities of him. Um, There's other ways of looking at that, right? Of calling upon some image of that one consciousness, say, which could take different forms to different people. So I know in the Islamic world, people have had some success using Calling upon Muhammad to ward off their intruders, but the idea, because we've explored how relationships form according to what you are in resonance with, but the idea there's also a way to, on some sort of psycho-spiritual level, go no and stop and out and call upon something to expel an experience you don't like, an exorcism almost. So that that's something a theme people might be curious about. Um, So I'll I'll leave that with you and please say whatever whatever else you were going to say
1: Yes, if if you are having these experiences and you don't want them Use whatever works to get rid of them I absolutely this must be something one opens to gradually by free will it can be uh, quite a, a Scary experience sometimes because one is encountering deep mystery But if if you've had enough, use whatever works to stop it. I have no problem with that at all. And probably whatever is embedded in your culture as the great metaphor or symbol of light or of goodness is what is going to work for you. Uh, But this is something one opens to and explores by free will. I've known a lot of people, I've known people, not a lot, but people who have found this a terrifying experience but haven't wanted to stop it Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to them and they live with it kind of day by day. Uh, and they, they would never want to lose it even though it's deeply disturbing and terrifying. But if it isn't for you, use what works to ward it off. That isn't a problem at all. I mean, what I wanted to say just about the way I think what's going on when one Encounters if you like The the deep darkness and beings that come from there. I Think what's going on is that they are in a sense having to feed off other beings uh, this is just if you like my deep intuitive sense that's developed over all these years That what we experience what we call existence or what we call life is pouring out of a, a central source moment by moment and it's what maintains everything all the worlds, all the inner planes, all the universes, all the dimensions. But as a conscious being uh, of free will, of which there are many, many different varieties, any such being can choose eventually to cut itself off from that. It cuts itself off from the source of existence itself. It's, it's a kind of ultimate hubris or ultimate pride. And in order to continue to exist, it has to draw that life force from other beings who are still connected with that source and it seems to be that These such beings trigger deep emotions Anger fear upset despair and it's from that somehow that they can feed mm. to some degree off that um, and I think that's what's going on with the really dark encounters and um, and in a way, it's an appalling thing, but in a way also one can feel deep compassion for those beings, um, because certainly, as far as I understand, there's no way back. Uh, and it's, if you read the accounts of exorcisms, for example, uh, they are fascinating, the real ones within the Roman Catholic Church, which have taken place over centuries, and you get a deep sense of that, of the despair of these beings. Mixed up with all the nastiness Mm. But I think that's what's going on Uh, it is this kind of um, Need to feed in some way Uh, But to speak from the Christian tradition as well, which people may not accept There is another understanding as well and that these beings it is taught within the, the deep Christian tradition are like tethered dogs They can bark extremely loudly and they can be absolutely terrifying but they are tethered mm. in other words if one sees that actually they can't harm you they can't do anything to the essence of what you are then the fear will diminish the anxiety will diminish and the despair will diminish it's only the belief that these beings can actually harm what we truly are that gives them the power to feed off us but that's coming if you like from the, the deep Christian tradition
0: and yeah no, I a big
1: I area, which I've spoken about briefly
0: it's um and I came across in in research I've done like um it was a Canadian journalist Joe Fisher, who got involved in trans yes. and you've heard of maybe his book then the I've Cyrus. Read his books. okay yes. yeah, so he, yeah. one of the things he reports is the um the spirit that was coming through was very keen to start people the people in the groups to start having sexual relationships with each other yes. and, and their partners he he came to think yeah. that this astral entity or whatever it was was feeding its own addictions there.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also see it's working with people's desires Mm. and their wants, many of which are hidden or only half looked at. And so again, self-knowledge there would immediately have rung bells with everybody there. Yeah. This is something playing with me, playing with my desires, playing with my urges and that's really
0: clear it comes across that um it comes across your joe fisher was he found this idea of this ancient greek woman uh who was in love with him and they had this romantic tale he really bought into that yes so you could okay there's there's a vulnerability there's a hook there which is being used then yeah you just slipped in there about there being no way back at a certain point and maybe that's That's a position that's maybe not typical for someone who's into the more oneness consciousness thing There's more of a sense of ultimately everything can be redeemed.
1: Yes. I that. I, I don't know whether that's the case or not It's it's the uh, it's the traditional Christian understanding Jesus in the Bible talks about what he calls a sin against the Holy Spirit for which mm-hmm. there can be no forgiveness
0: very hard to interpret that part a, a very funny.
1: difficult indeed uh, but I I think The traditional of deep christian understanding of this is this is what he's talking about That that it is possible to so cut oneself off from the source of everything That one actually simply begins to fade And that there comes a point where it is impossible to reconnect Uh, I hope that isn't the case (laughs) it's not what I want but certainly I'm part of a tradition that's much wiser than I am and has had thousands of years of experience and this is what it suggests but I hope it isn't the case
0: okay that's a theme I'd love to delve into perhaps another time going back to disclosure now okay so yeah. some of the talk I heard after that New York Times article is was around you know the New York Times does not have a history or a reputation for saying things the US government really doesn't want it to say. Okay, it's, it's kind of known as a state mouthpiece. So yeah. What then is the Disclosure agenda is there a disclosure agenda for okay? There's, there's maybe three ways this could go human beings individually Could find out more and more about this phenomenon and it could get to a point where it's just so widely known over the next 50 or 100 years that it becomes undeniable or governments could themselves be in the know about it to some degree and have a plan for disclosure for them be worried about people panicking and having a kind of you know that Orson awesome wells radio show thing going on where yeah. farmers were arming themselves with their shotguns and and so on all these beings themselves might have a plan for disclosure they might be letting us in over time but we're at a point in in history where we could we could look at the situation now and say well you know over the next one or two hundred years maybe this all comes out and as soon as it does as soon as it hits that tipping point then we're we're going to move into a different world in a way that you know nothing else in human history might compare to so what are your feelings about this disclosure and how the phenomenon is is emerging
1: well first of all i, I really don't know what's going to happen all I know is, having been involved in this area for 30 years, that that New York Times article was a sea change. It was something fundamental shifted with that article. One thing you have to bear in mind that the New York Times, yes, it has a reputation for having deep connections within the government, but it also had a reputation for deliberately humiliating anybody who talked to about UFOs or alien abductions, it, it had an appalling reputation for that, And that's why it was so shocking that article appeared for people who knew that history with the New York Times. Um, I don't think that fundamentally, uh, governments know what's going on. Uh, this is just my own opinion. Uh, I think they know the phenomena is real. And have known that for a very very long time I think they understand something fundamental about the phenomena that the more human minds believe in it the more easily it can manifest and indeed I think for a long time this is the impression I get there has been a strong position within many areas uh, let's call it of the government we use that generic term that has deliberately uh, downplayed this whole area um, and, and has uh, uh, tried to create a, an atmosphere of ridicule mm-hmm. around it Deliberately to keep the door closed so that the phenomena could not manifest uh, as easily as it might otherwise do and uh, Again, I've been in touch with this area for a long time. It seems that there are different views within uh, government military circles there is a view that says for some reason this now has to come out and that's what you're seeing coming out through the new york times and the article and other areas like that which is being done very carefully and they're using language very carefully there also seems to be another power center which seems to be based largely within people with an evangelical christian outlook, who see this as demons and the devil coming through we're still trying to to maintain the atmosphere of ridicule, that there's nothing there, don't open your minds to it. And there seems to be a power struggle going on around that. Uh, whether the phenomena itself has decided it's time to make itself more manifest? Who knows? Because the ph- we call it the phenomena, but there are many, many different layers of being and intelligences and presences of work. So the idea that there's something coherent happening there may be a bit naive what I really know is something has fundamentally changed now. Uh, And where it's going to lead, I have no idea at all.
0: Do you think that also there could be a desire to control our perception of it coming out? I'm thinking about films like Independence Day, say. Okay, so the Pentagon, the CIA have these connections into Hollywood. They're not two separate. Sears and the pentagon put a lot of money into hollywood in particular in a film like independence day which would be highly reliant on u.s military support for the aircraft and so on yeah and there's a representation of these beings as invaders and there's all sorts of narratives going on there how they're they're cold they can't be reasoned with and we need to get behind governments to protect us from them yes so ha- how how we see this phenomenon must be
1: very much shaped by. I, I am sure that mass media has been used for decades to try and shape our minds in relationship to this phenomenon. It's interesting. In the early seventies, you had films like Close Encounters uh, and ET, which had a, a feel-good factor yeah. heavily there, and they seemed to move to oh, they're they're horrible and they're going to conquer us and they're going to kill us and something's been going on there with managing our collective consciousness but for me i mean a a point that really i think needs to be made is that i think the greatest fear that is going on around all of this with governments and and with other power centers is that they actually don't know what's going on and governments are meant to know what's going on Mm -hmm. and what, what one reason why this may be being suppressed is that they have no answer and how frightening and terrifying is that if for a, a, you know, a powerful government to have to say, all this is going on, there are strange things flying around the skies, there are people having all kinds of strange encounters, which can be in, uh, inspiring or terrifying, and we don't know what it is and we can't control it. Yeah. How can a government admit to all of that?
0: Removes their legitimacy.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and, and also, see, governments are about power. And what this phenomena constantly demonstrates, for example, with America, to the most powerful country there's ever been, is that you have no power over us at all. We can do whatever we like. We, we, we can uh, disrupt a week-long training exercise with your most powerful aircraft carrier and battle group just over off the coast of America. And for a week, we can do what we like. We can fly all around you, and you can do nothing about it. Psychologically, that's humiliating, mm. and that's a play here as well. It's the phenomena is showing us that we're nowhere near as important as we think we are. We have we know virtually nothing, and we have virtually no power. And that's a very very difficult thing for the human race to take in, particularly uh, the modern Western culture, which is used to being all powerful where man is the center of all things and the phenomena is showing us that's just a nonsense and that's very difficult for us to accept
0: kind of like what people talk about with the copernican revolution where we're not the center of the universe
1: that's it yes all... well, we one... replace that with being a center of the universe in a different way man is the measure of all things and we're just being shown again it's nonsense
0: one fascinating thing i came across was the the, the around the late 19th century um, apparently there was a casual assumption that mars would be populated okay yes. but there was also the assumption that they would be inferior and that yes. we would go to them and bring christian civilization and science and technology yes that's very interesting it is in Actually, a way the whole
1: history of religion and spirituality is uh, human beings being constantly humbled because we have this inner tendency. You might might almost call it the original sin, if you want to talk in those terms, of hubris. Of no matter what evidence is put before us, whatever we experience, we just have this this default position of thinking how important we are and how we're at the center of everything and everything revolves around us. And it's like for for millennia, the great spiritual lesson has been, no, that isn't true but somehow we can't quite grasp that lesson and learn it permanently.
0: Okay, Simon, it's a perfect ending point if you're happy there.
1: I am indeed, and thank you for this opportunity. I have never ever spoken about this at all. Well, I Uh, I really appreciate you. This is the first time ever. So um, I didn't know how it was all going to come out. So thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. I think it's... um... It's been fascinating for me and I'm sure it will be for others too. So thank you.
1: Great. Okay. Thank you very much.